Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Season 2 of Topical Island. In every episode, we'll dive into a new topic. From the morbid to the magnificent. The heartfelt to the ridiculous. Join us as each week we take you to a different topical island. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Topical Island. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Kate. I hope you're having lovely weeks and I want to hear about them. Kristen, let's go to you. How has your week been? Oh, I it's I well, right now we're recording and it's Tuesday and it feels like it should be later in the week. I feel like it's been a long mm-hmm. week already. Yes. But um I'm here today. I, I was thinking about what to talk about today, and I <laughs> the biggest thing going on in my life right now is I I have a Netflix recommendation that's a little bit odd, and I'm curious to know if you guys have heard of it or even Sorry, seen or even heard of it. But have you guys watched the show The Witcher on Netflix? (laughs) Nick watches it. And so, yes, I have seen it through that lens, but not paying attention to it. I feel like I'm not into it. But I anyway, what do you think about it, Kristen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because it's like, Julie, have you seen it? Or do you know what it is? Okay, I'm very familiar. Um, I watched the first episode and then yeah. I didn't continue, but I keep being told to go, keep going and that it's really worth well, it. Well, and I don't know, like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I don't, but it's like one of those things where I'm like, why do I like this? Like, it's like, it's a very, fa- it's a very fantasy. I think it's based on a video game, which are just mm-hmm. a bunch of things, a bunch of words that don't normally compute for me, but um, <laughs> it's. I really enjoy it, but I like, I didn't even watch like Game of Thrones. I don't know what it's, if it's anywhere near like that, but I, tonight, after we're done recording, will be watching the final episode of the new season. Um, and I just, I'm just so drawn to it. It's bizarre. So that's my sort of recommendation. I would say it's not, it probably isn't for everybody. Now I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should pay attention because I certainly when it is on I have (laughs) no idea what's happening like there like you said it's very fantasy based and so it's just kind of like I nothing you it's a show that I think you need to pay attention to to understand oh yeah well I'm even on season two and I'm like I should I feel like I should rewatch season one because every time they say some weird name I'm like I have to google it (laughs) who who was that again anyways but yes I would recommend potentially paying attention um what about you Kate well, I wanted to actually share some feedback that I got from a friend who had listened to the Lunacy episode. Um, oh she, boy. I think she Ooh. listens quite regularly. Um, okay. But she sent me a message, Andrea, holla, Andrea, um, <laughs> that uh, she told me that after listening to the episode, she downloaded a lunar calendar um, oh. to keep track of when the, the full moon was approaching. <laughs> but she also mentioned that she had um previously done a research project for the now I have a lot of questions that I can't answer I have questions for her around this um, <laughs> okay <laughs> because she is currently a teacher and a potter right um, yes of course yeah but uh she said she previously did a research project for the schizophrenia society of Nova Scotia um for the department of justice back in the early 2000s um and so oh. for that research project she interviewed police and psychiatrists as well as social workers and every single one of them uh brought up the full moon as a risk factor oh really that is fantastic fun i love hearing that feedback that's definitely 
Nice. Yeah. What about you, Julie? What have you been up to? Well, you know, um, baby, baby, five-year-old is probably how my day <laughs> go usually. Um, yeah. Um, but I'm actually, I'm going to just bookend what Kristen was talking about with The Witcher. The re- yeah. One of the, one of the reasons you might like The Witcher is because the star Henry Cavill is oh, a yeah. v- very attractive man. Also, major dork. Yeah, he's a super nerd, and uh, I love it to the extent that, and you're right, The Witcher is based on a video game, and mm-hmm. supposedly, and I've heard him say this during interviews, that uh, he would stop people during filming and correct it because he was so familiar with the video game. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him, and he he paints little miniatures and plays lots of board and video games and he also was superman and supposedly um when he got the call to be superman he -hmm. almost missed it because he was so engaged in world of warcraft (laughs) (laughs) he almost missed the call so i don't know i i I like the nerdiness and then he just happens to also be this just classically handsome man that's my week summed up baby baby five-year-old <laughs> let's talk about a dorky handsome man totally i love it well i would love to know kate where are we going this week well let me first take you let me first take you back a few years i'd like to paint a picture mm. it's a cold day in december 1935 and the mayor of new york city at the time fiorello laguardia announced he would be banning the sale, display, and possession of New York City's fastest-growing import. This is a product that originally was brought over by Italian immigrants. It was now widely grown in California. And although the mayor himself admitted that even he enjoyed consuming this product, the mafia had got its hands on it, and they were bringing violence to the streets of the city as they went to war over who had control of the multi-million dollar industry. So the mayor climbed atop a flat top box truck and proclaimed, and proclaimed to the pushcart produce vendors at the Bronx Terminal Market, I want it clearly understood, no thugs, <laughs> racketeers, or punks are going to be allowed to intimidate you as long as I am mayor of city of New York. <laughs> I imagine that's what he sounded like in the 19, in the 1930s. Sure yeah, I love it. Um, so today, this product finds its ways into homes all over the world. And dare I say that even you, dear listener, may have it in your possession as we speak. I'm, of course, talking about artichokes. Artichokes. I was going to say cilantro. Oh. No, the, oh, I, mean, I was going to be like, guess. cilantro. Um, <laughs> but artichokes. Interesting. Artichokes. Mm-hmm. Tell, so tell I want to talk a little bit about the, the artichoke wars of 1930. Mm. So artichokes were first introduced into North America in the 1800s, um, with the first commercial artichoke fields being developed in Louisiana Territory. By the late 1800s, they had been established in Monterey Territory of California, and today that's nearly where 100% of all artichokes grown commercially in the U.S. come from. Hmm. 
In the early 1900s, they were distributed all over the country. However, the market was particularly hot in New York City because of the large Italian population craving mm. a taste of home. Yeah. In 1920, Ciro mm. uh, Terranova, a member of the mafia who would eventually become known as the Artichoke King, began his monopoly of the artichoke market by purchasing all the produce shipped to New York from California. He then resold the artichokes at 30 to 40% profit. Oh. Not only, and so of course, if he was able to, you know, if he was able to take up all of the produce that came into the city, then he was able to price it at whatever he wanted. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Because there was no competition. So, but not only did he terrorize the distributors and the produce merchants, um, he also had the artichoke supply chain attacked itself. So gang gangs actually took the fight to the artichoke fields in California. Wow. Wow. So they would offer growers themselves a non-negotiable price. One farmer was quoted at the time as saying, we either accept the price or we get our skulls cracked. Or sorry, we either accept the price or we get our skulls cracked. I forget. <laughs> I'm not sure where what happened to my 1930 accent. But that's how the artichoke wars of 1930 erupted or began. So there was kind of two fronts happening. There was, you know, the monopoly on importing it and then reselling it to the New Yorkers at a high price. And then there was also like physical, like ruffians going out to the farmers, you know, breaking legs and whatnot. In yeah. California. So then this way they were able to put, um, they were able to put stress on the amount of product that came out of California, which just increased the demand, which increased right. the price. Wow. 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 To limit the supply, okay, right. So to limit the supply, thus keeping prices high, the mob sent thugs to terrorize the artichoke fields. Gangsters wielding machetes invaded thousands of acres in Northern California during the fall of 1930. Um, they would strip buds off plants and they would hijack trucks carrying boxes of the product. Hmm. So in wow. an attempt to protect farmers, yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> so crazy. In like why why artichoke? I, I mean, I get that it's it's a very, it, at the time, I guess, was kind of a niche product, but it seems insane. Right. And it was actually in one article, and I don't have it in front of me, of course, um, but it was, it was quoted as saying that um, the artichoke seemed to be an anomaly for the mob because although they were involved in food racketeering and um, those kind of smaller businesses, it was really, this was to the, almost to the same extent as um, like liquor and gambling mm, and right. having a hold on those markets. Wow. What, what was the, what was the main thing that people were doing? Like, is it just in a lot of the recipes that's an interesting question and i don't actually know okay then cut that like the, the, <laughs> i mean to be honest i the majority of the time i eat pickled artichokes me too yeah. Not but fresh. i will tell you that my brother whose wife is american he mm -hmm. has he was introduced to whole artichoke that's a very common thing in her family anyway and they live in um the Northeast in, states in um, like she, her family's from Connecticut and that is very common for them to eat it the whole thing mm. um, so I don't know if maybe just Canadians don't eat as much fresh artichoke because it's I don't know why but 
Um, right. Maybe it's just more common down there. But yeah, they eat mm. it and you kind of peel it off and then you kind of like suck it out. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, I, I mean, I haven't. And to be honest, I was my, in a perfect world, my goal was to actually buy an artichoke and before <laughs> this recording, but I did not. <laughs> well, we'll have to do it after. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, for in an attempt to protect farmers from these raids that were happening in California, local authorities began to patrol the back roads and uh, guard the ranches. Um, however, despite the government's efforts, the mob did succeed and frightened mm. the farmers into submission. So. Um, so by the time that Mayor LaGuardia had banned the vegetable in 1935, the Sicilian American mafia had controlled the American artichoke market. Uh, for almost two decades. And this was common knowledge. Everybody knew that if you were buying artichokes, you were buying them from the mob. Wow. And they had to go underground? What? No, you could buy them at the... They were still out in the markets and they were, you know, the pushcart vendors were the ones selling the artichokes. They were just Mm -hmm. extremely expensive. And, Mm. you know, you were... you, You owed the mob if you were dealing in artichokes. Wow. One of the platforms that he ran when he ran for mayor uh, was that he was planning to be tough, tough on the mob. But he also at in by 1935, because the prohibition period, because prohibition had just happened, um, the mob stronghold on the or I guess I shouldn't say stronghold, the more so the mob's interest in artichokes was starting to weaken because they mm-hmm. had liquor and um gambling uh was so lucrative during prohibition right right that that had had kind of taken its place right so um it's theorized that because it was starting to weaken um this is why laguardia decided to to act at this time uh he he, he was acting a tough guy but really the timing was the timing was, was already easy win. up on it mm. now this mm-hmm. ban one week so for Uh, one week it was illegal to sell own or possess artichokes however although it was only a week it only took a few days for the chokehold that the mob head on the market really began to let up and i think that really just kind of shows you how much they were like all right like you get yeah, yeah. back now. Like you guys can have your vegetables now. Um, so ultimately, the racketeers did surrender, and LaGuardia broke up the monopoly. Hmm. Wow. The artichoke market was then opened to legitimate wholesalers. Prices were reduced, and sales skyrocketed. Hmm. And after the publicity um, that the vegetable got from the mayor's fanfare of the ban and you know mm-hmm. his victory over the mob, um, its popularity did nothing but grow. So recipes were then um, appearing in newspapers, and like I said, LaGuardia's triumph over the mob was a victory for the artichoke. <laughs> well, well, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is like, oh, well, did he invest in some artichokes right before all this? And then, you know, he kind of spend uh, that money on an airport. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, you know, trying to get the notoriety out there to get his name on the airport, I guess. Sure. Cash. Yeah. Hmm. 
Hmm. But don't think that that is the end of the artichokes, you know, 20 20 minutes of fame. (laughs) Um, Because what better way to spotlight the vegetable than to give it some star power? So in 1948, a young starlet was appointed the inaugural California artichoke queen. Oh. Who is that up and comer, you ask? It was the one and only Norma Jean Baker, who is also known as Marilyn Monroe. She Hmm. was the artichoke queen. The artichoke. It's not simply a vegetable, but, you know, a vegetable that launched a movie star. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. Now, I'm picturing her at some sort of state fair, and that's where she's I think there were a lot of fairs. There's definitely a picture of her in a sash. With Artichoke Queen. With Artichoke Queen? Fabulous. Yeah, on it. Um, but, I mean, uh, after that... Now, it, it, I was disappointed not to see that tidbit of information on her Wikipedia page. I did find it through other sources. Um, oh. <laughs> well, why but, don't you should hop on it, Wikipedia? Put it on there. But apparently Marilyn and the Artichoke both did very well for themselves after she was the queen. <laughs> I don't know. None of us are eating artichokes, but I guess we're not Americans. That's true. Maybe it is. And I do, I do buy the jars of them. I do yes. the pickled kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've just never... I don't know that I've had the fresh kind ever. I uh, Yeah. I, I'm sure I haven't. So my mom will steam one and then you like take off the leaves and dip it in butter and then eat the little tiny bit of meat on the inside of the artichoke. Leaf. Interesting, and I have. It's good, but I'm always like, this seems like a lot of effort for like a very small amount of food. Hmm. Maybe is it more like it's um it's it almost sounds like eating lobster though. Yeah, and that's yeah, a lot a of delicacy. Work for very, yeah, very little reward. <laughs> it's like a pomegranate. Exactly. That was, that was what I was going to mention. The pomegranate seeds. <laughs> to this day, when you when I see those those. uh you can buy the containers of pomegranate seeds. All I think yeah. is, my God, that's a lot of work for somebody <laughs> to sell that big thing of seeds. Yeah, I was going to say, Kristen, you were just talking about how the amount of effort that goes into um, eating them. Yeah. like, And also the amount of effort that goes into growing them. That Because um, oh. I looked into actually getting some for the garden and they're a yeah. perennial, which is nice. So you plant them and then they come later. But for that bulb, like it's a large plant and you don't get much that much substance out of it. Like, so hmm. yeah, they're kind of a high oh. maintenance veg. Yeah. So maybe they should be like $17 each. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or whatever that Bob had them at. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I certainly hope the farmers are getting paid well because yeah, they are not. Um, and I, we can't even really, um, our season here is a little bit too short for them. It doesn't really work well, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I high maintenance plant. I'm that's why I think I stickle stick stickle. That's why I think sticking to the pickled kind. I like them on toast. Mm. Those pickled ones oh. with a little bit of butter on toast. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, well, and also if you're interested, um, LaGuardia liked to eat his artichokes with a little bit of mayonnaise. Like, dipped in mayonnaise and then yeah i you know it didn't specify how he placed the mayonnaise with the artichoke (laughs) (laughs) drizzled dipped 
unclear on that topic for another time <laughs> i hope he actually i hope he gave it up for a week and wasn't like one of those politicians who had it in the back room don't you know <laughs> don't you know he probably was he had his mayonnaise and his black market artichokes that's quite a tale that is a wild tale um and i loved every second of it and i had never never heard of that that's so awesome yeah i'd never heard of yeah i hadn't heard of the the artichoke wars either turns out it's a thing thing. (laughs) we still Uh, aren't fully clear on how people eat artichokes (laughs) i've eaten one and i'm still not fully clear but that's okay uh well Kristen, i would love to hear some good news back to animal corner um (laughs) yes this this story doesn't sound it starts off sad but um, it's a it's a cute story. So, um, Magawa or something um, was a landmine sniffing rat who has a retired landmine sniffing rat who um, passed away at the age of eight. Okay. Um, and so he recently passed away um, at the beginning of January. But what has had had quite an impressive career before his retirement. Um, he had a five-year career where he sniffed out over 100 landmines and other explosives in Cambodia. Wow! Amazing. Now, yes. I feel like I need to say anything. Like I'm, I am not a fan of rats. Yeah. But good on him for putting his life to good. Use. Well, and I I would encourage you to Google him after this because mm-hmm. or or during whatever. Um, he's a <laughs> he's a um a giant pouch rat. All of that makes me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's looks a little bit cuter. Like he doesn't look like your typical rat. He's a little bit cuter. Okay. Like give him a chance because okay. he's um he's a little bit cuter than your typical like New York pizza rat. Okay. But um he. <laughs> Um, Wait, are you talking about Splinter? (laughs) (laughs) No, did you did you see that? You that pizza rat? Another thing to Google. Um, Okay, I will. No, the cafeteria rat. No, it was like a rat in New York who was like, I think he was carrying a piece of pizza around. Well, that's that's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what this is about. (laughs) So, (laughs) Magua. Magua um, underwent a year of training in Tanzania. A year? Yes, because he he sniffed out landmines. I know, but to put a rat in school for a year sounds like insane. That seems wild. (laughs) Well, I don't know how intense it was. Some people probably spend one eighth of their life in school or education of some sort. That's true. That's a good point. That is a lot of his life. Um, but essentially what he was, he was trained to detect a chemical compound found within explosives and, um, and he cleared more than 141 square meters of land, which is the equivalent of 20 football pitches, they say. Um, and so, um, in 2020, he was awarded the PDSA gold medal, sometimes described as a George cross for animals for his life saving devotion to duty so yeah so he was pretty amazing uh that he um 
and I guess the other thing to notice, so he was sniffing these things out, but he was, so he could detect them, but he was too light to set them off. So that's kind of how that worked. And that's how he gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately uh, he retired last June and he uh, was kind of slowing down, not interested in his food and eventually passed away. But I just, uh, you know, it's great news, but it's also a little bit hard to know that that rat has done more than I ever will. Well, when it comes <laughs> to landmines, maybe. That's true. But let's not start comparing our life's accomplishments against those of a rat that can clear football fields worth of dangerous, like human maiming animal you know maiming material yeah (laughs) amazing and so yeah so he's quite the little hero and unfortunately you know he passed away but he i mean he was already retired but he you know did he probably saved some lives that that rat that giant definitely oh and what was his name again well, you make me say it again. Oh, so uh, it's M A. No, I'm just kidding. M A G A W A. And I honestly tried to watch a bunch of news stories, but they were all silent. So I, oh. I feel like no one knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> and it was just footage of him running around um, in Cambodia. So oh, wow. I did even try to find out how to pronounce it, but I was unable to find it. But something like Magawa. Cool. Oh, yeah. I love the the animal Great stories. Story. There's yeah, been some pretty heroic animal stories that we've covered and I love them. Yeah, they're it's amazing what they This is unrelated, but I remember I when I was in the hospital one time there was a lady who had some kind of condition and she had a like a gerbil or um uh what were those guinea pigs and it would detect oh. when her levels would get low on something and it's just amazing oh, really? what we can train animals to do. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's wild. So cool. Well, Did you find what you were looking for? 